Welcome to The Quarantine Tapes, a daily podcast from Onassis, L.A. and Dublin. Hosted by Paul Holdengraber, this series chronicles shifting paradigms in the era of social distancing. Greetings. This is Paul Holdengraber, your host for The Quarantine Tapes, brought to you by Onassis LA and DubLab. I am thrilled to announce that we have asked various former Quarantine Tapes guests to host, during a week, guests of their choice in total freedom. They have absolute carte blanche. This week I have asked the wonderful writer Walter Mosley to serve as our guide and guest host. I do hope you will enjoy Mosley's choices for this week on the quarantine tapes. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, Nikki Finney. How are you today? Oh, Walter Mosley. <laughs> <laughs> it is so good to hear your voice. Um, I am, what a question, you know, like in this, in this moment of quarantine, I am always so grateful for the human voice to enter my quiet house. Sometimes I forget to talk and I start talking to myself, don't tell anyone. And my cats suddenly look at me like, oh, you can do that. And so for you to ask me that question that I take very seriously, um, all questions from you, I take very seriously. I am quiet, uh, I'm here, uh, it's the 8th of January, 2021, I'm alive, I'm COVID free for now, fingers crossed, heart crossed. Um, I've never felt, I'm 63 years old, I've never felt younger, never felt stronger, mm. I'm, I'm terrified, I'm furious, I'm determined. I, um, the cosmos is spinning as it always does every morning that I wake up. Um, I was thinking about the animals this morning, the caribou and the black bear. You have to know how complicated I am to know that I give great and long thought to the animal kingdom and queendom, the coyote, keeping their eyes on us to make sure we don't completely implode this beautiful planet. That's how I am. I, um, you know, you asked me this question, so I have to answer it like a poet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yesterday, I woke up to the news, you know, that an armed surrection, insurrection had, uh, in the name of the 45th president of the United States, was happening at the Capitol. I don't like TV. I had to sit in front of that um, device and watch this in, uh, in, in an unbelievable state of disbelief. And then I woke up today to the news that it was Stephen Hawking, his birthday. Hmm. Um, Stephen Hawking had a has a had a incredible impact upon me, the great physicist, the great 
um, narrator of the black hole and time travel. His birthday is today. And I, um, that, that meant a lot to me. Um, and that's what I meant by the cosmos spinning. It's like one day it spins you in one direction. The next day it spins, spins you in another direction. And so I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, How are I'm, you? How are you? I'm glad to have you here. And okay. uh, I'm fine. I'm, you know, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm very busy, which is great to be mm -hmm, mm -hmm. COVID. I wanted, I wanted to say a few things at the beginning of, of our little conversation uh, in, in, in ways of just saying, you know, what I'm thinking and also, you know, kind of a minor uh, introduction of you or at least of what I'm, I'm, I think of you, you know. Mm, mm. I'm really glad to be able to talk to you today. And as you know, I've followed you and your works for many years. And in my opinion, you are one of America's, the world's great poets. And that's also important right now because poetry is one of the few arts that cut to the bone, that struggle to swallow the most bitter pill of mortality, which is the truth. I've been talking to people this week about the time of COVID-19, asking if there's any hope, if we can make a better world out of the wreck that has foundered and killed so many. I think, I think it's fitting that my last interview, then uh, three others this week, be with a poet because Poets spend days and decades trying to understand the human heart, its desires, and what modicum of satisfaction we can achieve in these fleeting moments of life. And so in the simplest possible terms, I ask you, who are we in these times? Where, in your opinion, do our footsteps lead? And what truths do you imagine surround us uh, that we remain unaware of. And I'm asking you those questions, but I'm more than happy to discuss them also. Good, because I need you in this conversation. <laughs> um, we, we need, I think those questions are also relevant, also important, um, also impossible to be answered by one poet, uh, which is one of the things I love about conversation. Mm -hmm. I take my job and my responsibility as a poet <laughs> so seriously and and feel so fortunate to have for people to call me a poet for, for my work in the world the good work you know I come from people whose work let my work speak for me you know this Walter you come from people who um, taught you, let my work speak for me. You know, like my name may disappear, all the things you give me or don't give me disappear, but let my, let that live on. And I, to be a poet in the world, I am just, I'm completely humbled by that job and completely thrilled and passionate about it because I know I will I know I will die with words on my lips. I know that I will never finish my responsibility to this vocation, to all the, the, the partial phrasings and moments that I fall in love with words and I won't have time to finish it, but that, that doesn't matter. Somebody else, mm -hmm. as I was taught, will come behind me and, and, and do their part. Lorraine Hansberry said, you know, if there's anybody who thinks as I think, and can come in and 
and and and put your commas. I'm 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 saying this poorly, and 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 add your periods to to this. Do so, mm-hmm. and I literally be- I believed her, and I do believe her, and I I still in now in this moment of of having lived twice as long as Lorraine Hansberry lived, um, know that somebody will come behind me and and do the same. But you know the thing that I am struck by as a poet right now is is probably the thing that matters so much to me about humankind and about humanity um, and and has mattered to me for the last 40 years of my moving my hand across the page. And that is, if you want, I I am a poet of my time, Walter. I, I, I really invest in that fact. I was born and was raised in the South of this country, this republic, when it was on fire, when mm. um, war was happening in the state I was born in and was happening in the country that I lived in. So there was this war, this racial violence that was happening around me. And then there was the Vietnam War. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like I am a child of war. I have grown up around embattlements and I don't care you know, what kind of house I live in. I don't care how well I'm doing. I'm always thinking of um, of human beings as people at war with each other, literally, but I'm also the poet who understands that I grew up in a house of love. Um, and I grew up in a community that taught me, don't you dare answer to some name that somebody calls you who does not know your heart, who does not know you were shaped and formed in this tiny little village made of people who were brutalized and beat up and turned away from the turnstile that kept going forward and taught me you have to be twice as good, three times as good, and don't you ever forget that love made you. And that, that's a really important fact for me as a poet of my time in this world today. Because I find that we're still at war. We're still at war about the same ridiculous, stupid things that I was raised, that, were, you know, that was happening around me when I was raised up in this world. And as a woman, as a mature woman, you know, going into the last 50 years of my life, I'm still, I'm still on the battlefield. And it is my responsibility as a poet to look at us as human beings, to, but to also talk about the fact that things in our very different lives in this republic, in this country, have made us very different human beings. My experiences as a Black girl Black woman growing up in the South have have given me entree into something that I know very well that I will that I speak of um, because it is it is very important to me to put that perspective into the into the human circle. And so that's really important for me to do. And so as the poet, I can't I can't talk in general in, in, in general language. I can't I can't make this, even though there is one human race, there are many different experiences in that, um, in that circle. And so 
my responsibility is to be true to it, is to look it in its eye as I look at other people who lived a certain kind of way and then talk about, you know, as a teacher, I talk about the wide circle of poets, not just the ones that won awards and not just the ones that look a certain way, but the yeah. wide circle of poets who have experienced different things as human beings. That is why I'm a teacher. That's who I want my students to know. Um, and I, that responsibility is one of the great responsibilities in my life. And it's one of the great responsibilities that I have as a working poet, like right now, when I'm thinking about Stephen Hawking and the black holes and time travel and Octavia Butler in the 1980s predicting we would be right where we are, politically speaking, the mm -hmm. prescient kind of view she had of the separation of human beings in terms of haves and have nots, people living behind walls, how technology would divide us. It is my responsibility and job as a poet, because James Baldwin has already said to the universe, it is the poet who knows what it means to be a human being. I was, I was, I, I, I am not British. I was not sainted. I don't know what that feels like to be in royalty in that per particular arena. But when James Baldwin said that, I stood up. <laughs> I was like, there it is. There is my responsibility. If it is my responsibility, James Baldwin says, to tell us what it is like to love, what it is like to hate, what it is like to be loved, what it is like to to feel hatred for someone, to feel the disillusionment of being um, whoever we are in the world, then I'm, a, I'm gonna go, that's where I'm gonna stand for the rest of my life. And that's where I am right now. You know, I, I, that's, I, I like that, because I, I think it, it, the way I look at it is that poets know what it is to try to understand being human. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, and a lot of times, and, and the answer's never, you know, the, the question's never answered. Right, right. Because we, you know, we we go on and on and on it, but every day we get up and we say, well, let, let's try to do that again. Right, right. And I think that all people do, which is why I say we. Um, but, you know, there's another thing you were talking about that I, I just want to go into, because it's just been something I've been thinking about lately. You know, mm -hmm. when we talk about COVID-19, it's a very interesting, um, you know, global experience mm -hmm. people are you know people are you know dying people are getting sick people are afraid of dying and afraid of getting sick uh uh the the people have found new ways to address making vaccines which they didn't really completely know before they kind of hypothesized about it but they they didn't know it but all of a sudden between the computer and between uh dna all of a sudden making a a, a vaccine becomes an extraordinarily interesting thing and and when i was thinking about that, I was thinking, wow, you know, that this follows what you were saying. Technology really grows. Technology and technique really grow during times of war. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching it grow. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, wow, COVID-19 is like a real, a true world war. Going through that war, we've re we, the, the responses are, you know, gigantic and of great depth. And so when you talk about, you know, like being, you know, raised in a time of war, which I completely agree with you on that. Uh, I think right now it's not just us, it's everybody who's in that war. 
And I'm not sure, and I'm not sure everybody understands that, um, which, you know, so which is so nice to hear you talk about being in a war, you know, like you know, we're always in a war. Reminds me of June Jordan and, you know, and her, her you know, her memoir. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she, you know, from the beginning, she was at war with a father who loved her and who she loved deeply. And I think that, that that's, that's how I'm feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think I think I do. I I think I do, and I think because I um you know Stephen Hawking, I, I, maybe he's just on my mind this morning. Uh-huh. But yeah. he said he has this quote where he says um, something like, uh, "Be sure." How does he say that? Be sure you um, remember to look up at the stars and not down at your feet. And then he goes on to say this thing about curiosity. You know, he was. And he would give these one-liners and I would go, and I would say, yeah, but even though Stephen Hawking gets that, um, you know, he gets that byline, he gets that, his name is associated with that beautiful quote. My grandmother, my aunt, baby toy used to say, pick your head up, girl. You know, you, why are you looking, why are you looking like that? Make sure your chin is, is above water and all these and so all these people whose names don't get to be associated with very important daily rituals, look at the sky, keep your eyes up. 400 years you've been in embattlement. Um, Black people and uh, COVID-19, you can stretch back and and cite a hundred cases where, you know, Black people were the the butt of experiment so that um, so that Western medicine and, and vaccines and, 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 and medicine could grow to the, to the level that it's grown. Tuskegee's, you know, study, all those things. So Walter, at the moment, you are absolutely right that we are all affected by this. COVID-19 does not care <laughs> right, what you look like or what, you know, what house you live in or what your bank account says and how many zeros behind your check. It doesn't care about that. But, and this is where I think poetry and art and humanity have to be willing to look at what the artist has to say. And this goes back to Baldwin. But if you're a frontline worker, if you don't have to, like me, I get to sit in my house, teach from a computer. I go out once a week and get my groceries. I am not, it is, it is math that says that I am not putting myself in harm's way, the virus, as much as the young sister down at the Walgreens who has to go to work. She can't do her work from a computer. Yeah. So it, it, it affects us differently. The, the, the fact that black and brown people don't have um, you know, primary care doctors in the same number or access to healthcare affects those communities way differently. So yes, it affects us all, but like everything else in this Republic, it things break down around money mm. and skin color. It mm. all, that's the war. That's okay. the great war we are not willing to call a war. I agree with you. I, I, I would add gender. Yes, yes. Because that's another issue that, that, that goes along with that. Absolutely. And, but but the, but the it, looking for optimism, you know, which is, what I do, mm-hmm. um, looking f- for optimism, um, one says, "Wow!" So we, you know, you, the guy on the other, you know, side who's you know angry and screaming and throwing rocks and stuff, and and I, we actually have the same problems. When, when you get down to the basis of it, you know that 
uh, a, a poor, you know, a white laborer uh, who's, you know, has, you know, many, many things, many strikes against him or her uh, and, and a poor uh, black or brown or Asian or whatever. Uh, many of we're not, we don't have the same experience, but many of our problems are the same. And the the, the thing that that I keep trying to, you know, to remember and go to, I, ju I just wrote, uh, you know, wrote an arc article, you know, uh, you know, for the nation uh, recently, you know, saying that, you know, um, and, and Paul would like this. I, I was talking about language. and I'm saying, look, yes, we all know what defund the police means. You know, it means that we need a different way to, to deal with people on the streets in this world today. We need a different way. We need a different education. We need a different, uh, different rules and, and responsibilities among people. But to say, for me, saying defund the police is in a way an aggressive use of language, and I'd like to change that. Now, yeah, I could be wrong, but that I would like to change it. I would like to say, hey, uh, listen, we, we need a better system in order for everybody to get an equal share here. Um, and I wrote that, you know, and, and it, was in, it was in the nation. And, mm -hmm. but, then, but then a few weeks later, uh, Obama said the same thing. Uh, almost exactly, you know, but I, I'm sure he hadn't read my thing, but, you know, but, you know, it, it's a thought, it's in the ether. Uh, he said it and, and was really attacked by, by the, by progressives who seem, and these, these progressives who attacked him seem to want to say, well, no, there's a, there's a difference We're we're fighting them. And, you know, there, I'm not fighting anybody. I'm trying to make the world work. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you have a problem, uh, well, let's talk about that problem. Let's do something about that problem. Because, you know, most of us, you know, it, 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 either we're poor, uh, we're, we're black or we're poor and we're black and we're a woman or we're poor and white and a woman or, you know, you know I mean, there's all kinds of people who are experiencing the same issues. I mean, what do you think of that? And we have. To, uh, yes. Uh, but I think to. And, and we must put sexuality and, and uh, next to gender and in that whole pot that we're talking about because they're, you know, that's an, that's an important category as well. But I think, I think the thing that, you know, I agree with you. And yet I also say in terms of optimism, I am the, I am, you know, I am always wonderfully accused of being optimistic. I, and I, 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 I wear my hat well. But I will also not shy away from saying or looking at the hard thing that still divides this country, the hard thing that people in power, in places of governance, in places of making real hard decisions about what can make this place so much better, people do not want to look at those truths, right? So yeah. it's not just about for me, when you're talking about defund the police and, and the responsibilities that must come um, in terms of dealing with people, you know, in urban areas or in the street, I think is, is how you said it. Mm -hmm. It also is not just the, what happens to the people, you know, dealing with people in the street. It's the police. The police must do some deep diving into their own, you know, um, uh, images of humanity. Who, who can scale a wall, Walter? Who can scale a wall with a Confederate flag in their hand and, and not be bothered, not be stopped? Who can not walk down the street in a true protest 
wanting truth and fairness and for you to stop killing the people and be brutalized with tear gas and tanks and army uniforms. This is what I'm talking about. If we don't look at the differences between us in order to get to the similarities in our hearts and our souls, we'll never get there. This no, will be, this experiment will be an experiment for another 400 years. No, I, I, there's no question about that. I'm, I, I'm not trying to say in that that well that racism doesn't exist or that you know or or you know m- many of the different different issues don't exist. I'm, I'm I'm not trying to say that, but what I'm thinking of you know listen, well before I met you, I went to a reading. I don't even remember what it was. It was in New York. <laughs> you were doing a reading. Right, right. And I remember that reading. I remember, and I'm going to talk about that precisely. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go no, on. That's okay. right. You know, I mean, I'm I'm interested in, in what you think. But I I was I was at the reading, and you were there in in you know in one of your 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 many you know different uh, appearances. You're a, you're an Afrolatian poet. And you were and you were taught and you were reading poets, you know, reading poetry about, you know, uh, being, uh, you know, in, in, in Kentucky and being, you know, being among the Appalachians. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you were talking about a guy it was a white guy and he's listening to country music and he's driving a pickup truck. And there was a lot of differences between you and that guy uh-huh. that you were imagining. But also there was a lot of similarities. Yes. Yes. And, and listen, I understand there's there's a battle, you know, be- between the races, but it, it does seem to me that we're at a, at a point in time where the similarities really outweigh the, the, those differences. And we have to make things things happen. And when I say we, I don't mean black people. I mean, everybody. Um, does, does that I mean, I mean, I'm trying to explain where I'm coming from and saying that and, and and where in my understanding of you where you understand your connection to a world that's certainly you're you know a black woman from the south in america but also you're this human being you know uh you know cavorting with uh, coyotes and caribou you know <laughs> amen amen <laughs> walter this is you are you are human beings are very complicated and sometimes i don't think we exercise enough complicated muscles. Mm-hmm. Here's an example. I'm doing a talk next week um, at Pacific University MFA program. And one of the people who was going to introduce me, she wrote me a very short little note. And she said, I'm, I'm, I'm reading all your work and I'm, I'm getting ready to do the intro, you know, write the introduction. And she said, I have one question for you. She said, in your new book, Love Child's Hotbed of Occasional Poetry, What is most interesting to me is that in the midst of that war and that upheaval and that violence of the 1960s, your parents created an oasis of love and beauty for you to thrive and blossom in. Boom, that's the question. And so she said, here's my question. Sometimes as artists, we make space, right, for, we focus on the difficulty, we focus on the violence, we focus on the suffering and the horror. She said, how do you make space for the beautiful in the midst of all of this? And I thought, this woman has just asked me to write my birth certificate out for her. This is my job. My job in the midst of a country that looks at me as a problem because I'm Black, because I'm outspoken, because I don't mind looking you in the eye and saying that's racist. And in the same breath, 
my parents and my family said, you will be the love child. You will not allow them to turn your heart or to turn you away from what we taught you, not what the country saw you as, not what they want you to be. And I wrote this line that I love. I said something like a country, let's see. Um, I said, focusing on the trauma, focusing on what the victim they want me to be. Uh, mm. A country that would rather have me speak with blood running out of my mouth rather than speak from the quarry of love that my people gifted me. I refuse that. I refuse that every day of my life, but that does not reduce the fact that blood has been running out of my mouth and the mouths of my people for 400 years. I will speak of that and then I will do this. And this is the turn that I mean, Walter. And this is the turn that you can't always teach a young writer, a young poet to do because they get entrenched. They want to rant on the top of the table about the violence and the hatred, which is real. But your job as a writer and an artist is to stand on that table and to talk about the truth of that. Don't romanticize it. Don't hallmark it. Look it in its eye. And you must also make something with it that does something that moves us forward as, as, a, as a humankind. Mm. If you don't do that, I'm not interested in your work. I am not interested in spending my precious time with your words because you are sitting in the war. You are sitting in the violence and you are not, you know, extricating yourself from that to do something with it and to speak of it as a person who understands that we we must tell each other the truth. We must look each other in the eye. We must realize we didn't, do, we didn't have the same upbringing and the same benefits and the same uh, privileges that allow us a certain view of the world. But that doesn't mean I can only be with people who are like me. That's the problem. We're, that's where we are right now. We are, you know, we're on these electronic things and we're only talking to people like us. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's, that's a big problem. Yeah. That's a big problem. We have to reach over the boundary, beyond those kinds of things, and realize, yes, in spirit, there is a humankind, and yet we can all come from with different experiences here. And that's where art comes in. That's where art teaches us we're different, but we're the same. We're different, but we're alike. And that that's why pres- the preciousness of good books and good art and, and good conversations about that should not ever be taken off the table. For me, it's, it's, the, it's the, the, the connections that keep us moving toward a better world, even though we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's so interesting, you know, when you talk about that, because, you know, a lot of people, you know, we're in America and America, you know, it, you know, it, it's, it's a contra- you know, contradictory ends with itself. You know, one side, it's about democracy and the other side, it's about capitalism. They're not the same thing at all. No. And, and, there, and there's, you know, there's, and there's a, a war, a back and forth there. You know, but but in, in in a country where you know where you talk about uh, 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 wealth, let's say, said so, well, you know, he, you know, they were born, you know, wealthy. They were born with a silver spoon in their mouth. The the silver spoon is actually the thing that you were talking about. It's the love of 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 the house, the love for you, the love for self, the love for who we are as as a race, as a gender, as a people, all those things, right? And somebody else, uh, Donald Trump is a great example of this. Born into money, right. millionaire money, right. um, ne- 
he's actually completely impoverished. Right, right. He's completely, yes. and, and so he's out there, you know, and somebody says, well, I wish I was that person. Somebody, you know, what, I, I was talking to a writer, you know, I talk to writers sometimes. One of them was talking to me and saying, well, you know, I, I wish I had what Stephen King has. And I said, well, you know, he has macular degeneration. You want that? Mm. <laughs> No, no, no. I just want a success. I said, yeah. no, no, no. You, either you take it all or you don't take any of it. Right. You know, uh, I said, you know, he, he's, you know, a wonderful writer and he's important and all this other stuff. And if you want to do that, then you should do it. Right. You know, but you have to take what comes along with it, you know. And, um, you know, and, and I, listen, I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, because I'm listening to you and, and that's how my, my mind is, is translating you know, what you say that, you know. Listen, I, I've always thought this is not a true this. I'm not making a quote or anything like this, but I always imagined if somebody came up to uh, Langston Hughes and said, you know, why do those you know, white people hate us so much? I imagine Langston Hughes answer is, well, because they don't know how beautiful it is to be colored, mm -hmm. you know, because there's, you know, there's all these terrible things. Yes, sir, that's happened and stuff like that. But I wouldn't I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't go and say, well, I want to be that guy, you know, with that power and that place. I said, no, no, no. Because where I came from was was really love. Yes. And, You're, and that's yes, that's it. That's yeah. perfect. That's perfect. That silver, that literal silver spoon that you speak of in the mouth of Donald Trump is nothing but poverty. Yeah. And and what and and the silver spoon that was in my mouth were the stories of my grandfather and the stories of my uncles who went to World War II and the stories of my aunts who could bake a pie and they don't even know how they got the ingredients for this pie because nobody had the money for it. And, mm -hmm. and, and sitting on that porch and listening to those stories of how my folks made a way out of no way is my silver spoon. You're absolutely right. That's a perfect analogy and that's why Poets and writers have to keep inserting themselves, their lives, their histories, their families, their um, idiosyncrasies, the things they don't do so well into the fabric of America, like we have been doing you know, speak of Langston Hughes and, and, and you just read the essay, you know, the, the Negro artist in the racial mountain. That's what he was talking about. He was like, black, don't you dare not want to say that you are a black poet because you think being a black poet is something inferior. There is a richness there that nobody can t take from you when you understand all that you come from. I, th I think it's really true. But then that, that also brings up the problem. There are yes. people who were yes. brought up not in, in the lap of yes. love. Yes. You know, black people, white people, all these people. And how, how does one say to them, look, if you could just drop you know, th these chains on you, mm, mm. then we have a chance. And Walter, you know, Baldwin said that. He said, you know, we keep talking about what racism, the, the violence that racism presents to black people. And he said, but the violence that racism reverberates black on white people is just as destructive in a different kind of way. Mm -hmm. And that, mm. that is so true. What it takes for you as a white person who practices racism to hate me, to hate black people, to hate anybody that's not like you is, is such a destructive human thing. It takes your soul away. It takes your smile away. It takes your, 
your your soulful silver spoon away and makes you think that there is only one kind of silver spoon, which is such a myopic, sh- mm-hmm. um, short range understanding of that definition and of that word. It, it does not allow you to see the universe. It does not allow you to take your eyes off your feet and look at the cosmos and everything that is going on there and be amazed at that. It only allows you to think about hatred and corruption and power and how anybody who doesn't look like you or think like you is inferior and should be uh, attacked or brutalized or all those words. Or just hated. Just hated. But also there's an action to hate. You know, there's an action that comes with it. Hate Mm -hmm. is just like, I hate you. You can just say that. But there is an action that comes with hate. And that's a real thing too. That's a very, very real thing. Yeah. No, I, I, I this, and, and these, these questions, these, these thoughts, you know, that, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been, I've been asking myself these questions anyway. When, when Paul Holdengraver called me up and said, well, you know, take this over for a week and see, see what you can do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was already thinking like, well, what is, what is, I mean, I want to be happy. I want to like, you know, I want to wake up in the morning and, and run out into the kitchen with my father making breakfast. Mm. and say, you know, hey, dad, what are we doing today? You know, mm. and, and I want him to, you know, smile when he sees me. Mm. I mean, because mm. I mean, that's the most wonderful thing. Yes. That, that, as, you know, first thing is that there's food to have breakfast with. I mean, I, I, OK, I get that. But, you know, after that, there's the the love that 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 food is a metaphor for. You know what I mean? It's like you're being you're being cared for and loved, you know, and I want listen, I want everybody to feel like this. I, I know that, you know, I live in, in, in a country, in a place and time that has the potential for really a, an amazing culture. Yes. And we just have to turn like, you know, a quarter turn to the left to see it. Right. And and, you know, and th- that seems to me to be the work uh that that you know that's there in front of me it's in front of you you know some people do it some people don't um but i don't know walter i have a question for you i've been thinking about this for 48 hours i and i I, now i need to put it Uh into the airways can i ask you this what so you know that phrase uh give me liberty or give me death Mm -hmm. so i watched two days ago white men holding those banners, walking, uh, pushing, fighting into the, into the Capitol. They, that was their, that was their, I I felt like that was their theme. And I've been writing that in my journal book a lot. I've been like, give me liberty or give me death. And then I immediately had a flashback to Black Lives Matter and to this last summer, the streets were filled with us uh, in the streets, talking about Breonna Taylor, talking about the long list of Black lives taken from this earth. And I thought, well, those folks, those Black people didn't have a banner that said, give me liberty or give me death. Mm-hmm. But that's what they, that's what their bodies were saying to me. Mm-hmm. Give me liberty or give me death. And yet, when Black people when that you know when when white people have that phrasing in, in front of them it, it it's it's thought to be a a a thing of uh, patriotism it's thought to be a thing of honor and yet when black people say the same thing literally with their bodies and their minds and their thoughts and their shouts it falls on deaf ears for the most part it falls uh-huh. on deaf ears and this that has been the that has been the call. And I just wondered, 
do you see that? Is that an alignment that you see also that you could that you can understand? Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to write something. I'm trying to make something of that. Do you do you see that analogy? Well, you know, I, I, I just being with it, I think it, it's it's wonderful to, to think it, to, to understand it, because, you know, like, I mean, really, anybody who talks to me and they say, who do you think we're, you know, when we talk in, in a military way and they say, who do you think were the greatest, uh, you know, soldiers, the greatest army of the 20th century? I said, well, I don't know exactly, but uh, the, the, the Viet Cong were way up toward the top of that. And they, they, they I, I don't know if they ever said those, those words, but they lived those words. They say, we will fight the French. We will fight the Americans. We will fight anybody. We want our identity and our culture and we will struggle for it until we have it you know uh i and and you know and and, and you know it's, i just look at them I, and I, I remember once i went to hbo this is like 20 years ago and i said i want to make a movie that has that says that thing mm-hmm. and, and they pretended that i hadn't said anything they didn't say no they just pretended that i hadn't said a word I think that there are many people of all colors and genders who understand uh, black men and women uh, going out there and saying, we're standing up for who we are. I think that one of the greatest heroes of, of the civil rights movement is Medgar Evers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because Medgar Evers, he just went home every night. He got mm-hmm. a house. He didn't go to Boston. He didn't go to New York. He didn't, you know, he went home. And, 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 and in, in going home, he was saying, give me liberty or give me death or yeah, give me liberty or give me death. That's it. You know, and, and, you know, if you need to kill me, all right. And Martin Luther King says the same thing. He said, I might not be there with you, you know, but Martin left open the door to say, anybody who thinks like me is like me. So if you were white, if you were uh, uh, Chicano, if you were uh, uh, Vietnamese or, or, or Japanese or anything like that, he said, you think like me, you are me, you know? And I, I think that, that that's the place where I see a possibility of opening. Because mm. there are a lot, I mean, there are a lot of, you know, people, so-called white people, there's no such thing as white people, but, you know, I mean, it's like, it's a made up race. There's no race of white people, uh, but, you know, I'm not, I'm, I don't really, I'm not going to ask what color they are. I'm, I'm going to say, well, what, what do they believe and what are they willing to do? Does that, that answer what you were saying or is that, that I go off on a tangent? Uh, well, I, you know, tangents, I, I go off on tangents all the time to, you know, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not linear. So that's, that's, you're good in, in my, um, in my question. I just, I want to put, I wanted to put it out in the air because I've been thinking about it a lot. I've been thinking about, um, the kind of um, nihilistic um, world that has been sort of permeating the air, the or or words, words nihilistic. You know, the people in power who 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 have been telling in so many words in so many ways that you know life does not matter, that knowledge is impossible, that human values are baseless, and mm-hmm. um, it, principles don't matter, and truth doesn't matter. And I've been thinking about how wound up these last four years I've been with, you know, as Toni Morrison taught us, you know, that you can't spend all your time reacting to madness. Because if you if you just like, if you're always react, oh, you said that, let me say this, then you will never get your work done. Mm-hmm. I have work to do 
that doesn't involve that kind of um, thinking and feeling and acting in the world. And yet I am always pulled into it in my, in my twirl, in my, you know, 360 degree twirl every day with, um, I will do my work. That's why I get up very early, sit at my desk, no TV, no nothing, and, and feel what I want to feel on the page and write that. And then because I know when I go out in the world, <laughs> I'm going to have to put my pugilist's gloves on and, 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 and do a little round somewhere. And that's, that's okay with me because I am a poet of my time. And I feel like I can't isolate myself from who I am and where I've been in order to, you know, just write my little thing on a little piece of paper. I have to take into, um, into feeling and to, and to thought what's happening in the world around me and, and, and my place in it and what I can do about it and how I can help and, and how I have to, you know, react to it. So not always, but some of that is very important um, to me as a, as a poet in 2021. Well, listen, I, I think that that's so true. And it's so, it's, it's so important uh, to know and, and to respond to. I, I just want to, uh, it, it brings up this tiny little story. Mm. Um, my mother uh, was Jewish mm. uh, family, you know, from Russia and the satellites of Russia. And my father's black man from Louisiana, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and her aunts and uncles, uh, there was uh, Fanny and Abe and Chaim, they all, you know, they all lived in Santa Monica and we used to go visit them sometime. And my father had a great time with them and they, and they loved my dad, you know, and, and one of the reasons they did was the world they came from was so similar to my father's. Mm. They came, you know, from slums and ghettos and shtetls. They were burned and hung and otherwise murdered. Uh, they couldn't vote, were considered a different race, were, were, were made fun of for, you know, for the way they spoke and the way they lived. And so talking to my father was like, so, well, you know, you and I, we had the same experience, you know? And, you know, it's not the same experience, but it's close enough, you know, that you can jump that gap and say, yeah, you know, you're right about that. We did. And, and, and that's, I think, you know, when you, in, in the beginning of this conversation, you were talking about complexities. That's one of the complexities. A lot of people come up to me you know, today in America and say, well, those were white people. Now, they knew they weren't white people. They knew it because white people were trying to kill them. You know, white Christians were trying to kill them in Europe and, and managed to do kill millions. Uh, and so when they, they looked at my father and talked to my father, they understood uh, a connection, a similarity. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the things that poetry does is poetry uh, at its best delineates that similarity. It's not like, well, I mean, a, a, a white person might say, well, I'm white, so I do this and that. But, but a poet will not say that. A poet will say, I think, look, this is what humanity is. And this is what we need. If you're, if you're outside of that, then that's your decision. You kind of have exercised yourself from the experience of being human. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking, and I've always thought that. I always used to mm -hmm. think that my family, you know, and they were so wonderful, you know. I mean, and it was like, you know, and, and you know, they like say, well, you, and somebody might come to me and say, well, you have to hate these people because, you know, they're something that I know they're not. And I'm going, well, I can't do that. You know, I can't do what, they, what this other group is doing to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know who the fuck I am. Right. I have and, to stop. I have to stop this. Uh, Tr this 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 tr separation. I have to I have to take this uh, 
what are those things they put in the street and they say, you can't, you can't go any further than this. This is your, you know, the little side horse. And they say, okay, this is my little territory. No, there is a big human territory that belongs to me. And I will cross this line. I will go, I will go farther than you think I should go. You know, that is, mm-hmm. that is the thing that I push. Um, sometimes my, my students in the undergraduate courses don't really understand how they have boxed themselves in, how they have allowed a country, a, a time, a region, uh, uh, n- names and, and descriptors to tell them that they, they can't go beyond that to, you know, fly into the larger world and take their small town experience, but their big humanity with them. And that is, the, that is what I mean by the complicated, the beauty mm-hmm. and the complicatedness of, of what we do. And to not keep your eyes on your feet, but to raise your eyes mm-hmm. to the stars. Well, that sounds like a good place to end this. <laughs> uh, I think we went over our half hour. but that Oh, I think we hour. did. No, we can have an hour. But anyway, listen, that was that was that was just wonderful. I mean, it was it was great to be able to thank to, you for thinking of me and thank you for including me in this. Well, you know you're one of my favorite poets. Well, I, I mean, just want to I want to say this. I want I will never forget that moment that you were talking of when I was reading and it was really the first moment. It was in New York. It was in um the theater at the uh oh gosh, um I can't remember that. But I looked up and I saw you. Oh. I said, I said, what is Walter actually doing at my reading? Um, this, I, we had not met. Um, you just were at the top row there, and I saw you. And I had, I was so glad that I had um, uh, my, I had some family from New Jersey who was also there, and they were so, they teased me. They said, oh, you must, you must really be doing something well. Walter Mosley um, <laughs> came a long way to to hear and see you, and I, I just. The affirmation, you, you know, how you have supported young writers and how you have um, always included us in dialogues and in moments of, of, of uh, you know, that only, you know, that when you when people reach a certain place in their life, and this has just been taught to me, you have to reach back. And it's the Harriet Tubman tradition. You have to reach back and and get somebody who's coming behind you and open the door for them. That is a tradition that I was born in. That is a tradition that I live in. And you were one of the first people in my life um, who had crossed into that other realm to do that to me. And I just wanna say thank you for that. I am deeply appreciative. To support this show and Dublab's progressive programming, go to dublab.com support. 